Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast, where you'll hear right from the source how people like you have been able to buy and build their businesses across different industries all over the country. Dan Claps is the co-founder of Career Transition Leads, Nurture Assist, and Find a Business Online. Christian Dadalak is a franchise consultant with Find a Business Online, and he heads up business development for Career Transition Leads and Nurture Assist. He also runs an independent franchise consulting business, The Franchise Guys. Together, they formed relationships with hundreds of successful business owners who are excited to share their stories with you. Now, here are your hosts, Dan and Christian. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. Really excited and happy that you're tuning in here today with us. As you're probably noticing, today is a solo episode with me, your host, Christian Dadalak. Dan's not able to join us today, but he will be back on the next episode. So, First and foremost, again, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for everybody for all your support. <clears throat> thanks for subscribing. Thanks for sharing. We really appreciate it. So just cutting right, right down to the chase, getting right into business. What are we talking about here today? Well, I wanted to talk about some of the more intangible things when it comes to business. And a lot of people I find really don't necessarily like this talk because a lot of people are after the how-tos. And, and I understand that. You have to know what to do. You have to know how to build a business, how to buy the right franchise. You need granular, actionable information. But I think the issue is a lot of the time that even if you know the how, if you don't know your why, and I know that's a little corny and we hear that all the time, but if you don't know your why, the reason why you're doing something and you don't have the right thinking behind the how to, you're never going to do anything. You're never going to get it done. Or if you do actually make the move, and you do try to take some action and you do try to make it happen, you're not going to get it done in the way that you thought it would. And it's not going to pan out the way that you had originally planned if you're not thinking the right way from the beginning. And so today we'll be talking a little bit about some of the different mindsets when approaching franchising and just frankly, when approaching business ownership at large. How do we need to think as business owners? How do we need to think about people that are thinking about getting into business? And we're also going to talk about some of the different paths to entrepreneurship. What are some of the different ways to get into business? Because obviously, franchising is one route. That's one route. Dan and I and everyone here at the Franchise Founders Podcast and our teams, that's what we're into. We believe in franchising. We believe it's a better way to business. But there are other routes out there. So I think they're they're worthy of discussion. So today is going to be a little bit about mindset and a little bit about different paths to entrepreneurship. So Let's start with some of those different business ownership options. So I think the obvious way that most of us think about getting into business for the most part is we think about starting our own independent business from scratch. We think, hey, I have a great idea for a product, for a service. Maybe it's revolutionary. Maybe it's maybe it's not quite revolutionary, but there's some kind of different spin something you're doing a little bit differently. Maybe you're targeting a different type of customer or a certain segment of that market. And so there's a there's somewhat of a differentiator in the way you do business or the product or service you offer. There's some kind of differentiator. And you say, hey, I want to start a business. And so you go that route. And, and that's a fantastic route to go. If you're the type of person that you need to have all of the creative control, all of the input <clears throat> and and you're, you're a little bit more of an innovator yourself. You're an early adopter. You're okay with a little bit more of, of, of the risk than you might have in some of these other options we'll talk about. 
then that might be the right path for you. You get to call all the shots. You get to make all the decisions. You're the boss. This is your business, your way of the highway. So that's the good part. The bad part is this is your business. You get to make all the decisions. It's your way or the highway. And you, as the business owner, are responsible for all of the successes and all of the failures. And frankly, that's true of any of any route of, of these different types of business that you can get into. I think extreme ownership is obviously very critical, but you don't have any support systems here. You might network with some other people that are business owners that you can learn from. There's a lot to be learned from books, courses, seminars. There's a lot to be learned out there from people that are willing to help out. But oftentimes it can be very difficult as a new business owner to find people that are in the same business as you that really want to help you and that are open to it. Maybe you'll find people or masterminds from other parts of the country. So that's something to seek out if that's a route that you want to go. But are you really going to network with people locally in a similar market as you in the same market as you? For example, let's say I start an HVAC company, right? Heating and air conditioning company. And I'm not really totally sure what I'm supposed to be doing here. And so I approach one of what would be my future competitors here in my local market, and I ask them for some help. Well, what do, what do we think they're going to say? Are they going to say, oh, yeah, Christian, I would absolutely love to help you. Here's my blueprint. Here's my formula. Here's my secrets. Here is how to be successful in this business. Is that going to happen? Odds are probably not. So, and look, there are ways to get around it. There are ways to get support and all of that. But you really need strong advisors if that's the route you're going to want to go. You have to have strong drive, tenacity. And you have to realize that however much money you thought was this business, this venture was going to cost to get up and running, whatever you wrote in your business plan, it's likely going to cost a lot more than that. Sometimes five, seven, ten times more than what you had originally thought it was going to, to cost to get the business to where you want it to get. Well, why? Why is that? Well, frankly, it's one thing to get the business up and running, right? So that, that alone costs money. And then it's a totally different conversation to get it from just started to in business operational. And now to the point where we're scaling this thing and we're getting it to a revenue point where, you know, we're profitable, we're cash flowing, we're breaking even, and then ultimately scaling it to a point where we're kind of proud of the revenue we're at and we're really building a real asset here. And that's going to cost more money. You need growth capital. So you need to make sure that you have money in place, funding partners and a good strategy for growth for that capital because starting a new business from scratch with no system is very difficult and very capital intensive. Not to say don't do it, but you have to figure out what's my logo going to look like? What kind of, what's our branding strategy? How are we positioning ourselves in the marketplace? What makes us different from our competitors? What vendors am I going to use? Who should I be using for this and for that? You know, I don't have a call center in place. I got to hire all these people. I have to train them. I have to create the operations manual because there isn't one in existence already. So I have to, through lots of trial and error, lots of blood, sweat, and tears, really build my model. And it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of, there's going to be a lot of stress involved. There may be some sleepless nights. But the nice thing is, with a business like this, 
unlike a franchise, you're not paying any royalties, right? There's no initial franchise fees. So you're keeping 100% of your profits. Uh, everything that goes to the bottom line is yours unless you have other partners, right? Which you know may not be a bad route to explore if you are thinking about starting a business up from scratch. But partnerships, that's a whole other conversation and how to do that the right way. Uh, but, but that is really what it looks like to start a business from scratch. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of fruits that come with that. And there's a lot of things that can be a little bit, a little bit scarier. You have to make sure you're doing all the market research up front, uh, both for your industry, uh, for your, for your specific area, find out who your competitors are, a lot of market research. So, and you should do that with any business, but especially if you're starting something from scratch, you really need to make sure you have all your bases covered and your business plan is airtight and, and, and ready to go and you're ready to execute on it. And, and you're the type of person who really is that execution type person who can really get it done and, and is okay with taking on a little bit more risk than some of these other strategies we might talk about. So that's one route. That's one path to business ownership, buying or sorry, starting your own independent business from scratch. Okay. The second route is you can buy an existing business. That's another fantastic way to get into business. And obviously the appealing elements of buying an existing business is the fact that it's already existing. It's in operation. It's up and running. Someone else already did the hard work for you. Everything that we just talked about that has to do with starting up a business from scratch, you don't have to deal with any of that. That's been done for you. You already did it, right? Or someone else already did it and it's already set up. They have the vendor relationships. They have a business plan and a model set up. They have a structure. They have a system in place. They've already have some people hired. They have an infrastructure, excuse me, that is put together. And that's what you are buying in many cases. You are buying a system and you're also buying cash flow, right? You, like you want the business to be profitable, but that is the difficult thing. Just because a business is set up and, and is already existing, which is naturally very attractive, but some of the drawbacks naturally are, well, how successful is this business? Why are they selling it if it's successful? So naturally, there's a lot of due diligence that needs to happen. You have to have lawyers involved, maybe use a business broker. There's all sorts of different questions you need to be asking. And you need to be asking the right questions to really figure out if this existing business is something that you can take over and then obviously succeed with. So some reasons people might sell an existing business is maybe they're retiring. Maybe they had an illness in the family or they themselves got ill. Um, maybe there was a, a you know, marriage broke up, partnerships. They decided to you know, both get out of the business, so they wanted to sell it. Um, there's a myriad of reasons. And obviously, one of the big reasons is maybe they don't make enough money in the business. Maybe the business isn't profitable. Maybe the revenue isn't quite where they'd like it to be. Uh, and maybe they're just, they don't have enough capital to really grow the business like we talked about in the last, in the, with the last uh, case there. Uh, if if the, maybe they thought, hey, I thought this was going to take X amount of money to get this business up and running and then to scale it and grow it. And it's really taking Y, right? It's, it's going to take a lot more money than I thought it was going to be. And I don't have that. I don't have access to that capital. And so I'm going to sell, I'm going to sell the business or my interest in the business. So these are all things you need to consider. You need to look at the numbers. You need to poke around. You need to uh, really see if this business is worth what you're about to pay for it. 
And one of the other drawbacks with buying an existing business, let's say it is a really fantastic business, then you're likely going to pay a premium for it up front. Now, there, it could be worth it because it's already a set up business. It's successful. It's running well. There's an infrastructure in place. You don't have a lot of that setup of, of heading, uh, the headache of setting it up. So that's already been done for you. You don't have to go through that as much. So that's appealing, right? But let's say that it's an underperforming location, right? Let's say it's an underperforming location or the business itself is just underperforming and it's only one location and you're taking it over. Really now the question becomes, are you a strong enough operator to turn this business from a dud into a stud? Do you have the, the capacity as an operator to do that? And maybe you do, maybe you don't, but how do you know? Have you ever owned a business before? If you have, and you've, you, you've had some success in operating a business, then, then maybe that is the right route to go because you can say, I was a really strong operator in my business. And so I think I can take this and make it from a dud into a stud. But I would caution you, if you had success in one business in one industry, that doesn't automatically translate into success over here in a completely other type of business and a completely other industry. Just because you think you have the Midas touch in what you used to do doesn't mean everything you touch is going to turn to gold in this new venture. So be careful with that. Uh, and if you haven't owned a business before, well, then that's a little nerve wracking as well, because you, know, you, might, you might go in there and be a great operator and you might not be. And there's really only one way to know, which is really to do it. But of course, you have to be okay with that risk and understand going into it that that is, that is the likelihood. But some of, some of the nice parts about that, of course, is you might get a, a really nice business at a discount where if, if you just have, if you can come in with some additional capital that the other owner didn't have access to, you can really turn it around and, and grow it into something. Maybe you're cutting some costs, you're, you're focusing more on certain revenue streams that are driving most of the business, you have better marketing initiatives. Whatever it is, maybe you can turn it around and really make it into something profitable and really buy a great opportunity at a discount. But you need to investigate and find out what the different levers are that you need to pull to make that business successful. What are the KPIs I need to drive, the key performance indicators? What are the metrics I need to make happen in order for this business to succeed? How do I turn this around? And you're asking questions like, is this location specific? Is this just a bad location for this type of business? You know, and that's something you got to figure out. That's something you need to do some, some market research. Investigate that. Talk to other types of businesses in the area. So there's, you have to do a ton of due diligence and you need to have the right advisors around you to make sure you're doing that properly. Okay. And I could go on and on. There's a lot of things to do. I mean, I could do, you could do uh, its own episode on buying a business or starting your own independent business from scratch. So let's get into what we obviously love here, which is buying a franchise. So uh, and of course, we've talked about buying a franchise ad nauseum on this podcast. And of course, that's because we are the franchise guys here. We, uh, we believe in franchising. We love it. And we think that it is a great path to business ownership. And so with, with buying a franchise, what are some of the, 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 the pros in the pro column? And what are some of the drawbacks in the con column? Well, obviously, one of the pros is you're buying an existing model. You are buying a proven system. and I think one, one big preconception or sorry, misconception when it comes to buying a franchise is that 
you're buying a brand and you are in many cases and the brand does matter. You know, what's in a name? Well, turns out quite a lot. Think McDonald's, think Auntie Anne's and all these different Orange Theory Fitness, right? So, you know, there is a lot in a name, but you're buying so much more than a name. You really are at the core of it. Why are you buying a franchise? You are buying a system. You are buying a proven system with a proven track record. They have other successful locations. They have an operations manual. And they know they have those vendor relationships set up. They know what their, what their branding strategy is, their market positioning. They know how to get customers. They know how to hire properly. And they can teach all of that to you as well, which is a huge, huge positive. One of the drawbacks, though, is not every franchise is created equal. There are a little over 4,000 franchise opportunities out there currently and hundreds and hundreds more coming onto the market every year. And so not every franchise is created equal and there are different types of franchises. There are franchises obviously in different industries, but there are franchises that are different sizes. You have the empire brands like McDonald's that have thousands and thousands and thousands of locations. And then you have a micro emerging brand that they really have their corporate store. Maybe they have a you know, couple franchisees, maybe they don't have any at all yet. And that doesn't mean that they're, that they're bad necessarily, it just means that they're new. But you need to have an effective strategy to find the right franchise for you. And of course, that's, that's where we come in. That's where Dan and I can help. And, and, our, and our, our, our people, we can really help you to find and identify the right franchise for you based on your goals, your financial wherewithal, uh, your, your situation, your family life, your desires, your passions, all these different things that we take into consideration when we make a recommendation on which franchises might be the right options for you to take a look at. And then, of course, we can teach you how to do due diligence. So shameless plug for us, of course. Um, but beyond that, buying a franchise is, is fantastic because, again, you have a proven system and a proven model. You can come into it in many ways, like an existing business. Yes, you have to get everything set up. Yes, you do. Um, but you have the operations manual, the help and support behind you to really get everything up and running. And again, some franchisors offer more support than others. So that's really where some expertise can help. But that is one of the, the benefits, generally speaking, of buying a franchise. Now, what are some other drawbacks of buying a franchise? Well, unlike with starting your own business from scratch, unlike with buying an existing business, you will need to pay a royalty and you will pay franchise fees up front. And in many cases, you'll pay renewal fees as well. So what's a franchise fee? For those of you that aren't aware, a franchise fee is basically a one-time fee that you're paying to the franchisor upfront to license their system and their business model. You are paying them that one-time fee upfront uh, for the right and the privilege, really, to not have to go through all the trial and error, the blood, sweat, and tears that that owner that set up that system initially did. So you are paying them a little bit of money for their intellectual property, their system, their wherewithal, and all of their knowledge that they've and, and hard-earned dollars and time over years and years so that you can essentially cut to the front of the line, skip a lot of that trial and error, save yourself a lot of time and a lot of money to, to do so. So that's why you're paying a franchise fee, and that's usually one time up front. Then you have royalties. Royalties are typically a percentage of gross revenue paid on a monthly basis, but of course, that's generally speaking, different franchisors might do it a little bit differently. Some might uh, charge the, the royalty on your net uh, profit, or or maybe they might do it, uh, charge you weekly or biweekly. 
but generally speaking, it's a percentage of gross sales. Uh, so off the top line revenue, and that's usually paid on a monthly basis, generally speaking. Why are you paying that? Well, the franchisor is offering you support. They are providing in many cases, I know many franchises that have a call center where they are, they are taking the calls from the customer, they are answering questions, and in many cases, they're selling too. They might book jobs, they might take money over the phone, they might set an estimate with one of your team members then to go out there and complete that estimate. And then they have the marketing processes in place, digital marketing, uh, traditional stuff like print ads, direct mail, uh, radio spots, all these different things, you know, some old traditional marketing and some obviously newer digital marketing as well, even influencer marketing in many cases. Okay. And they're getting those phones to ring for you. So you're not having a cold call and knock on doors. And then they have vendor relationships. So the price, the you're saving money in terms of the supplies that you would have to buy. You get, because of they have a bunch of franchisees in their system in many cases, you get the buying power of a larger block of people. It's a bulk purchasing power. So your individual price and for the whole system for every franchisee is less than if you were to do it on your own. So that's another huge reason why franchising might be a better bet for you than starting your own independent business or buying an independent business because you're not getting all of that support. You're not getting those, those supplier relationships and those vendor discounts because you don't have the, the volume or at least you know maybe down the road you might if you really scale a nice large business. But as one operator, especially in the beginning, you likely don't. So there's some value in that franchise relationship. And so it might make some sense to pay a royalty and to pay an initial franchise fee for that support that ongoing support for some of those systems and processes that they have in place, which really helps to remove a lot of headache from your plate that you would otherwise have to contend with if you were to buy an existing business or start one on your own. So again, we're big fans of franchising here at the Franchise Founders Podcast, obviously, uh, but those are some of the pros and cons of buying a franchise. And Generally speaking, again, we can do a whole episode on it, but that is some, some basic info there. Uh, and then the fourth way is to buy an existing franchise. So similar to buying an existing business, you know, there's a lot of the sim similar uh, drawbacks and, and, uh, and, and benefits as well as, as buying an existing business. But in addition to buying an existing business, having all the different systems in place and you have an infrastructure with a franchise, now you have the backing of the franchisor. So it's kind of the best of both worlds in many cases, but you also have a lot of the same drawbacks where why are they selling the business? Were they not a successful location? Do I have what it takes to turn it around? All of these things you need to take into consideration when buying a franchise resale. And again, that's something we can do a whole episode on and, and we probably will at some point, uh, but, but that is something to consider as well. Maybe a franchise resale is the right fit for you. But in many cases, starting something up from scratch where it's your own baby and, and you know a lot of the mistakes that maybe were made in by a, a prior franchisee and getting the business set up and running, you can choose to do it the right way from the beginning. So I, I go through all these different ways so that you can understand some of the different routes to getting into business. And so you understand, here's what some of the, the pros and cons are of each. So you can help decide for yourself what sounds best for you. And if you don't know, of course, we can help you with that. We can, we can chat and help you to figure out which one of those paths might make the most sense. And uh, give you some insight moving forward, whether or not buying a franchise is the right fit for you. We want you to do what's, what's right for you and for your family, of course. So 
Um, so those are some basic differences and some basic ways to get into business. Now, I'm not talking about being an investor where you can invest money into a business, be a silent partner, uh, invest into private equity deals. I mean, there are so many different ways to have your money working for you in businesses, but I'm talking about specifically from the standpoint of owning a business and really operating it. Okay. So that's kind of like the first half of what I wanted to talk about today. What are the different ways you can get into business ownership? So we had starting an independent business from scratch, buy an existing business, buy a franchise, or buy an existing franchise, also known as a franchise resale. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the mindset necessary to get into business in general. And I think a lot of this mindset applies across the board, regardless of which of these routes you choose to get involved in. So there's a book I'm reading right now, and many of you have probably read it. And if you haven't, I highly recommend reading it. And that's a book called The Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. Many of you might know Robert as the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Fantastic book. That was a book I read when I was 18 years old that really sparked my entrepreneurial journey and helped me to have a, a mental shift from thinking of you know, what life might be like in the, in the typical, you know, go to, go to you know, do well in school, get, go to a nice college, and then get a nice, safe, secure job with benefits. That really kind of flipped that thinking on its head for me. And there were experiences that I had had growing up, uh, seeing my dad working as a self-employed cinematographer, as a director of photography, having his own business, uh, but really being in the S quadrant, which I'll talk about in a second. And then seeing my mom more on the, on the employee side, I saw some of the benefits that my dad was able to have and some of the freedom he was able to have uh, that maybe my mom wasn't able to have. Uh, but what I'm here to talk about today is being in what's called the B quadrant, which is the business owner, uh, the business owner quadrant of the cash flow quadrant. And all the cash flow quadrant says is how you make your money, how you make your income. So if you imagine a line down the middle and then, you know, two, four quartiles, basically on the left side, you have an E at the top for employee on the bottom, you have an S for self-employed. And then you go to the right quadrant, and that is uh, B for business owner, and then under that is I for investor. So employee is obviously what we, what we know it to be. You work for a company, and so you have limited time and limited money in many cases. You, uh, you trade some of that freedom for the security and some of the guarantees, or what we perceive as guarantees, from those corporations uh, or, or company, whichever company you work for, not necessarily a quote-unquote corporation but you get what I'm saying. Uh, the S quadrant is somebody like a dentist, a realtor, uh, different types of consultants. That is someone that's in the S quadrant that uh, they have a little bit more freedom. They have some more time and they might make a little bit more money as well. But the challenge there is if they don't work, they don't make money. They, you know, if they go on, if a dentist goes on vacation and he's not working on teeth, he doesn't have money, right? He's not making any money. He's not driving income. Then you have B, which is owning a business, really owning a system. Think about a McDonald's. When you own a McDonald's franchise, just as an example, I'm not saying that's the right fit for, for everybody or even for most people, but that's what a lot of people think when they think franchising. So we'll use that as an example. So when you own a McDonald's, you own a system. Is the owner in there taking orders at the drive-thru? Is the owner in there flipping burgers or making fries? Is he at the cash register? No. In many cases, the owner really isn't even there at all. There's a general manager in place that's running the day-to-day -day operations. And of course, the owner is involved talking to the general manager, 
looking at all the key performance indicators, marketing initiatives, and they're involved to some degree, but they're not involved in the day-to-day as much. They're focusing on growing the business, cutting costs, running it from a very high level. They own a system where they're leveraging the time and efforts of other people. And that is really what I want to talk about. I'm not really going to get into the investor side today. That's obviously where you're investing in different things and could be real estate, could be stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whatever the case is, private equity deals, uh, maybe stuff that is for accredited investors, even real estate syndications. That's a whole separate concept that's outside the scope of this podcast. But as a business owner, you have a business that leverages the time and efforts of other people, and you have money that's getting created for you by leveraging those, those different efforts. And so the business doesn't rely on you necessarily to make money. If the business does rely on you to make money, I would argue that maybe you don't have a business. And you know, not to be so cruel to people in the S quadrant, but it, it does. it is helpful to have that team in place that there's an infrastructure where you're not necessarily needed in the day-to-day operation for the business to succeed and even to grow. And I think that's a challenge for a lot of people. And this is where I'm going to start talking about mindset. You should not want to be the face of your business in many cases. And, and that's where checking your ego at the door is very, very important. Because you should want to almost be behind the scenes. If, if your customers are coming in to see you, if your employees are coming in to see you, if you are at the center of your business, then if you leave, what happens? If you go to sell that business someday, what happens? Who's going to want to take over that business that is so heavily reliant on the owner? Not many people. And so it's important to have the mindset going in. I'm going to check the ego at the door. I'm going to empower other people to really succeed here and to run the operation. I want my manager to be empowered. I want them to make decisions. I don't want every decision to have to run through me because if every decision has to run through me, I don't really have a business and I'm not empowering a team. You need to learn proper delegation and you need to be the type of person that can learn how to delegate and is willing to learn. Delegation, like most things in life, is a skill. You may not have that skill naturally, but you need to be willing to learn if you're going to have a successful business. And the more hands-off you can be and the more you can empower your team and build an effective team, the more success you're going to have, the less stress you're going to have, and the the better things are going to be. So a couple of things also in terms of mindset with with owning a business and being in the B quadrant of the cash flow quadrant is you need to place your focus on the system, not necessarily or so much on the product or service. So Robert Kiyosaki talks about in the book, you know, he's obviously a multimillionaire many times over, and he obviously gets pitched by many different people that want to start a business. And he says, look, I might like their product or service that they're pitching me on, but if I see that their focus is on, I have the next things and sliced bread and the product, I have this product, and if I can only get some money to get it made, then man, it's going to win and we're going to kick ass, where I have this service that, that just is just so revolutionary. He might like it. He might think it's a good idea, but he knows that if you are going to succeed in the B quadrant, you need to be someone that is focused on the system, not so much the product or service. Yes, that's important, but it's the way that you deliver the product or service. That is what counts. If you have the team in place, the operational manual, the systems, you know what numbers to look for. You know what the marketing strategy is, your different marketing methods. 
you know which vendors you're going to use, all these different things. That is what's priceless. It is the system. And that is why buying a franchise is amazing because you are buying a system that's already in place. Yes, you get the brand image, right? But the system, I would argue, is even more important than the brand. Okay, so you need to have a focus on the system. You are looking, when you are buying a franchise, you are focusing on buying the right system. And so that is where the focus needs to be. Or if you're starting your own business, the system needs to be the focus. You're building a system first that can deliver the product or service, but the system is the focus. Buying an existing business or franchise, same thing. You're buying a system. So look into the system. What are the chinks in the armor? What, what needs to be fixed? What are they doing right? Think about these things. But that's where the focus should be. Not, you know, does this yo frozen yogurt taste better than the other customer? Uh, the, other, the other business, I mean. That is important to a degree. I get it. But that is not the main point of focus. And if you're coming in with that mindset, I would challenge you to kind of rethink the way that you're approaching business ownership or, or maybe think about, you know, staying over in the E or the S quadrant. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's no quadrant that's better than the other. But to be successful in the quadrants like the B and I quadrant that are not taught in school, you need to think a little bit differently than we've been taught in school. Does that make sense? Okay. So I think another thing that, that needs to be reframed a little bit when thinking about buying a business is I am not just buying an income. I think that's the wrong way to think. And, I, and I've thought like that for the longest time. And, but really the shift in thinking that you need to have is I don't want just an income stream. Yes, I, I want income coming in. Got to pay the bills. I want my family to be happy. I want them to have a, a nice quality of life. But what do I want more than that? Where do some of the wealthiest people make their money from and build their wealth in? Well, that's an asset. My goal when I buy a business should be, in, in our humble opinion here at the Franchise Founders Podcast, is to build an asset. And more importantly, to build an asset that doesn't require me to throw off income. The income is still important. And in many cases, when you sell the business, that is what people are wanting to buy is they want to buy cash flow. But what I want is, yes, I want cash flow today, but I want to build an asset that five years, seven years, 10 years, 15, 20 years down the line that I can sell. And I, I, when I have an exit in mind and I have an exit strategy in place, and I, again, this is a separate topic that we'll cover some other time. But start with the end in mind. It's good to walk in with an exit strategy someday. But I want an asset that I can sell someday. And so I need to make sure that the business isn't relying on me. So that's where you have to delegate, empower people, and not feel the, the egotistical need to be the center of everything. So you empower that operation to succeed without you. And that way it can grow and grow and grow. If everything's relying on you, you're not going to grow past one location. You're not going to succeed. You need to have successful leaders. You need to build leaders that can run your different locations or multiple territories or whatever it is. And if you have that, the business can continue to grow and you are building a bigger and bigger asset that when you sell it someday, you are going to get a bigger multiple when you sell. And we could talk about that, you know, obviously in the future as well, what, I'm, what I really mean there, but you're going to sell it for a higher value down the line 
the bigger your business gets, the more revenue it generates, and ultimately how much more profit you drive to the bottom line, and also what type of revenue you're driving as well. And that's something we can talk about, recurring revenue versus you know, kind of one-offs. Um, so I digress, but you need to think about it like that. You need to come in wanting to build an asset. And when you're buying a business, you should always start with the end in mind. And that is, hey, someday I'm going to sell this business. And again, a lot of people think I want a legacy. I want to be able to give some money to my kids or, or have a, a business for them to walk into. And if that's what you want, that's okay. But just recognize that in the investment banking world, they are very keenly aware that most businesses that are passed on to the second generation, I think it's around half fail and even less make it to the third generation. So most businesses do not make it past the second generation and into the third or, and so on and so forth. So it really isn't a bad idea to sell that business yourself and, and generate that income for yourself and for your family. And that way you have the money in place to help your second generation maybe do their own thing. They're going to have different passions, different interests than you are. Not everybody wants to follow in mom or dad's footsteps. And that's okay. But maybe you have some money to support them. And of course, you need money if you'd like to retire someday or be semi-retired like I'd like to be. I don't ever want to fully retire. But you have that chunk of change. Maybe you roll part of that into some other investments into the I-quadrant. And that's, again, a separate conversation. But you put some money into real estate. Maybe you, you're investing into some private equity deals or you're investing into other people's businesses. There's so many different ways to do it. Mobile home parks, believe it or not, great investment. But you need to have, you need to start with that end in mind. And there's so many different things you can do with that. Maybe you start a second business or another franchise, right? But now you have some options and, and, and you need to be thinking about that when you first get into business and when you're first looking at businesses. If I get into this franchise, how saleable is this business going to be? at some future date, if I can really grow it, succeed as an operator and really make this into the right kind of business and help it succeed. So these are all things to think about here, right? So focus on the system, focus on not just building an income, which is important, but also building an asset and more importantly, an asset that doesn't necessarily require you. So a couple of other things as far as mindset and how to approach the process when buying a franchise. And again, I'm talking in the context of buying a franchise because that's what we're here to help with. And we're here to help illuminate and take some of the, uh, the scariness and some of the, the myths out of buying a franchise and, and really demystify what it really means to buy a franchise and how to do it. And I think some of those, those myths that are important to realize is from a mentality standpoint, you're not, you're not just here to poke holes in things. If you're approaching the franchise buying process with, I'm just going to find every little thing. And there's always, there's always that little thing. And if I find that one thing, then, then, then yeah, I did it. All right. I, I did it. I did my due diligence and I can feel good. If, if, if you're going to approach the process like that, I would say, don't even start at all. If you're going to be overly critical and you're looking for reasons for this not to work for the business to not be the right fit for you, then you're, you're approaching with the wrong mindset. You should probably just stay at, stay at your job or whatever current self-employed position, or maybe even current business you have as well. You need to go into the process with a healthy level of skepticism. I'm not saying don't do your due diligence for the love of God do, and we will teach you how to do that properly. But you need to come in thinking, look, I'm committing to being in the B quadrant. I want to be a business owner. I've always wanted to be a business owner. This is my time to shine. 
whether I'm transitioning out of my job right away and I'm going to go full-time into this sucker, or I'm going to start semi-absentee if the franchise allows and then transition in over time as the business becomes operational, grows and scales. But you need to go in thinking, I have made the decision in my mind to become a business owner. You need to get to that point, obviously. Now, in the beginning, you might still be figuring out if this whole business thing is the right fit for you. And that's okay. If, If that's kind of where you're at, then you need to just approach it from a standpoint of, I'm here to learn. I'm here to get educated. That's what I'm here to do. But eventually, you do need to get to that place where you realize, man, you know what, Christian, Dan, I want to be a business owner. I'm ready. I've built up all these skills in my corporate career. I've been building someone else's wealth and someone else's dreams my entire life. I am ready to be a business owner. I'm ready to be in the B quadrant, like so many of these other folks that I've been building immense wealth for with my time, my skills, my resources over the years. Okay. Once you get there, then, and only then I think, are you ready to really buy a franchise? And that's where it becomes, okay, let's look at several options. Of course, do our proper due diligence with each of them. But then we're looking for reasons to do it, not reasons not to. And the franchise should be giving you good reasons too. And you might find some red flags, but you're not going in there looking to poke holes in the whole system because frankly, that's going to turn the franchisor off. They're not going to want you in their system if that's the mindset you're coming in with because those people tend to be really frankly, pain in the ass franchisees that nobody wants to deal with. And frankly, they tend to be the underperformers versus the people that are, they do the right due diligence, but they're, they're willing to, you know, take a shot on the franchisor. You know, they, they make sure that every, all the ducks are lined up. There's no major red flags or anything crazy, but they're willing to take a shot on the franchisor. They're willing to follow the system. They're willing to make it happen. That is the mindset you have to approach going into business with. Frankly, even if it's not a franchise, but especially if it is, there is a, there has to be a trust relationship. You have to, the franchisor is going to trust you with their system, with their model, that you're going to succeed, that you're not going to violate your franchise agreement and make the brand look bad, that you're going to be a good representative of the brand. And then you're trusting them that this is the right vehicle to to help you to achieve your goals and dreams, right? But it takes two to tango. It takes the right vehicle but it also takes the right driver. And so you need both, right? So I digress, but that is, you need to have that mindset going in. And so the focus should be on finding the right match, if that's the case. Finding the right match, finding the right franchise. Eventually you should get to the point where it's not a question of if I'm going to buy a franchise, but is it, it's it's more of a question of which opportunity is the right for me? Which industry, what support systems do I want? One that's big or small or more emerging or, more established? Do I like the idea of having more recurring revenue? Do I like the idea of having a higher ticket sale that maybe isn't as recurring, but I get a lot of really nice big hits and drive some serious revenue? Uh, do I want something that offers semi-absentee right out of the gate versus you know something I can build up to later on? There's a ton of different questions to ask, and that's where we can help you. But that's what the focus should be, is finding the right match, not just I'm coming in here to poke holes in the whole thing. You, know, you need to be, have a healthy level of skepticism and do due diligence but you need to come in with the right mindset and the healthy mindset when buying a business is I'm here to be a business owner. How do we find the right fit? Let's do it. Let's, let's make it happen. And so of course, shameless plug working with a consultant helps, you know, that way you have, you know, resources that can be connected to in terms of funding professionals. So you can get your funding strategy figured out properly. 
You could be connected with franchise attorneys. That will be an immense resource and asset for you. And we'll bring on a franchise attorney on a future episode so you can hear a little bit more from a, from a pro on uh, some of the things that to, to keep an eye out for and some of the value that they really provide. And consultants can really uh, provide you with that. Um, and, and just understand that this is an, an, when you're looking at different franchise options, it is very much so an interview process. It is a mutual interview process. It is an awards process. Now, don't get me wrong. The, in, the, the franchise industry loves to say it's an awards process and try to make it seem like it's not a sales process, you know, but look, it is a sales process to some degree, but it's not, you know, it's not a used car lot, right? That's, I think a lot of people, when they think sales, they think of that, you know, it's more of a consultative sale. They're showing you their brand. They're seeing if they like you, you're seeing if you like them, you're taking the next steps, but then at the end of it, they're, they are going to ask, Hey, are you, you know, you, you went to discovery day, you met the team, you know, are you in or are you out? Either way is fine, but do you want to do this or are you going to do another opportunity or frankly, nothing at all? Uh, okay. But just recognize that just as much as you're interviewing them and figuring out if you're, they're the right fit for you in business, they're also thinking, is this person going to do well as a franchisee here? So they're, they're vetting you just as much as you're vetting them. And so show up, do your best, be presentable, show up on time, do the homework that they have you to do and, and really commit to the process and follow their process. If you're going in there trying to do things your own way, they're not going to want to work with you. They're not going to want to bring you on as a franchisee because if you can't follow the process, the, their buying process, and that's what it is. It's a buying process really more than it is a sales process. But if you can't follow that process, they know there's no way in hell this, this guy or this girl, uh, this woman is going to follow our system as a franchisee. And so better just to cut them loose now than get someone in our system that's just going to be a pain in the butt and drag us all down as a, as, a, as a system and as a franchise. So just recognize that. Um, and, and go in with the mindset as well. This is another critical thing. Go in with the mindset that, yes, they're giving you a blueprint. They're giving you a roadmap. Absolutely. And that is what you are paying for in many cases, as well as the support on the back end. But they're not going to do it for you. You need to execute on the model. So they have the roadmap for you. They have the directions. You still need to drive. You need to drive the road still. So you need to understand. I think a lot of people think I'm just going to buy a franchise and they're just going to do it all for me. No, if that's how you're thinking, that's the wrong way to think. And you maybe should consider maybe not buying a franchise unless you can reframe that and come to terms with the fact that while I have the blueprint, I have the model, I need to be the one to go in there and really drive the performance and the execution. I am the X factor. That's what you have to go in thinking. I'm the X factor. I'm the one that is ultimately responsible for the success or the failure of, the, of, the, of this business, not the franchisor, not my consultant. You know, the franchisor does need to support you. And again, that's where choosing the right franchisors is, is critical. But at the end of the day, the biggest X factor in the success of a, of, a, of a franchise versus the failure, frankly, is in the operator and the business owners themselves. There's a reason why a successful franchisee can buy and acquire a, an underperforming franchise or one that maybe even might be about to go out of business. And in quick, short order, they can, they can turn it around and, and turn it into a successful location. And in some cases, turn it into one of the most successful locations because it's about the operator. It's about the business owner. And so understand going in, I'm going to take extreme ownership for the success or the failure of my franchise. You know, there are plenty of 
franchisees, even if they're in a system where the franchisor is a little lackluster and they're not providing the support that they probably should, even then there are franchisees that are killing it. So, and then, and, and then there are systems where franchisors offer the world and are fantastic and offer as much support as you can, but people don't want to follow the system or they don't put in the effort. They don't do the hard work and then they don't succeed, even though that's, that's a, a fantastic franchise. So it comes down to the operator and you need to go into this understanding that and really believing it, let that sink into your heart and understand that you have what it takes to succeed here. And you also have what it takes if you're not careful to really blow the whole thing. And frankly, you know, waste, waste a little bit of money to be frank. But if you go in with that healthy mindset and you are going to take ownership of what happens in this venture, then whether it's an independent business, you're buying an existing business, you're buying a franchise, or you are uh, buying a franchise resale, if, if you can have some of these mindset tricks here, and of course, I'm not even scratching the surface of all the different things that really you should be thinking, but these are hopefully some things that have helped you. And if you can think this way through the buying process, and then ultimately, once you get into business, I, I think you have a massive chance of not just really like making it and, and having some success, but really hitting it, a, hitting a, a home run and, and really building a legacy for you and your family, building an asset like we talked about, but also building up a fantastic income and helping you to achieve your goals and dreams and really building a fortune and, and immense wealth if that's what you desire to do. I think franchising can really offer it all. I think business ownership in general is the right way to go. I think more people should really consider it but only if they if they can think about it in, in the right way, in the right manner. So uh, really appreciate you all for hopping on another episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. Hopefully that was helpful. I know I talk fast, maybe rewind it, maybe slow it down a little bit. Uh, listen to it again if you need to. Share it with your friends, share it with family members, share it with other people that are looking to get into business because business ownership is, is the right way to go. It is the American dream. So again, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode. And we really appreciate it if you could give us, uh, if you're on YouTube, like it, subscribe, share, uh, review it on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate all the support and, uh, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. Take care.